Well, here I am uh, one week later after the storms locally, facing even more problems in terms of the fires that are surrounding us and the air quality. We're not really necessarily in good times, I would say. Matter of fact, we're facing some of the most dire times that we could possibly imagine. And it's interesting that often when we face dire times, we look at a period of time out of our past, supposedly, that's happier or more gleeful or more joyful or more at peace and at rest. Some friends of mine, Dennis and Jan Furby, recommended that I look into a particular series by the BBC. It is a place called Home. And I found it interesting because the setting of this particular program is in the late 40s, early 50s, when in fact I know a lot of people who have referred to it as the grand time, the great time. Many people over the course of years have always referred to the 50s as being something important, something valuable, and something good. Well, not to my surprise, I came from a small town called Clarence, New York, and I found that this setting, which was in Australia, in a very small village called Inverness, that in fact, it was very parallel and similar in many cases to that period of time for me growing up in the 40s and 50s. And what I found more interesting was that there were a lot of things that while I think of them as great romantic elements, all of a sudden I saw for the first time some of the ugliness and some of the pain and some of the torture that happened to those people at that time. Here it was set in Australia, and it could have been my town, Clarence, New York. There was separation in terms of wealth and affluence and income. There was dissension. Uh, constant reference to various quote types of people from a very pejorative demeaning posture and all of a sudden these words that were used and I heard them as a child became very toxic very painful for me to know that in fact that was our language that's how we treated one another based upon ethnicity and based upon differences. So the joy, the glory, the sort of openness of that time really was an illusion. It was an illusion because, in fact, we were not facing the issues of the day. We were hiding behind language that kept us separated. Isn't it strange that when facing bad times, like the war, that in fact people would revert to this kind of castination, of consternation of other peoples and denigrations of their rights and will. So this was a really powerful story, but in it also, given all of the things that were not necessarily good about that time, what the story has told us in different characters was how people persevered and how they worked through and actually in some cases completely switched attitudes. 
It was a marvelous display of how humans confronted with reality could in fact make change. And it brings me back to the story of Jesus today. Because the interesting part is, and most of us don't realize, he was doing something outrageous, totally against the rules. By encountering a Canaanite woman, he was in fact speaking to someone outside of Judaism. And the laws forbid it. And he had just said something about being here for the house of Israel. And yet this woman steps up. Now the disciples, I think, in this, they're given sort of a, a, a way out, saying, well, get rid of this woman. She's, she's a bother. What they're really saying is, you're not supposed to be doing this. What are you, crazy? Yet Jesus encounters the Canaanite woman from the attitude of the day. The story goes that in, in that time, when you had a difference of opinion with a person, you quoted a proverb to justify where you were coming from. And Jesus states, would you take food from the table that given to children and feed it to the dogs? Now remember, the language is very specific. He has just actually claimed that she was a dog. She was outside of the culture of Israel. And yet she turns around and says to him, but even the puppies eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And in that day and age, when someone quoted a proverb and someone else responded in a proverb that was better, the woman actually won the argument. Her proverb opened Jesus' eyes to say, Woman, you are of great faith. Be unto you as you request. And the child was released from the demons. He ministered across the Jewish Gentile lines. His disciples didn't want to hear about it, didn't want to hear her or deal with her. And yet he encountered her, opened his mind and sensibility to her wishes because of her faith. It's a powerful story and something that I think all of us need to look at today. How, in fact, do we deal with our unbelievable comments, anger and frustration and just denial of people's rights and feelings in a way that, in fact, is self-justified. We tend to look at being very demeaning in our comments and in our prejudices. Now, many people think, you know, after all, and I'm white and I'm privileged, and uh, I wouldn't know much about my prejudices because they're given to me. And it wasn't until I actually had to face prejudice against me that I understood what people must begin to feel like when they're criticized. I happened to be a football player in college, and I had two faculty members claim and ask me if I, in fact, had done the assignments, one a term paper and the other one a short essay, 
if I had done it on my own. And I was stunned. And I said, yes. They said, well, you're an athlete. As though somehow that was less than being a student. It really hurt. It was really painful. And I felt anger and frustration inside. I wanted to just let loose. But knowing that they were faculty and had a power relationship with me, I had to keep my mouth shut. The one was a, a paper I wrote on Frost as an Emersonian. And she couldn't believe that a football player would have anything to do with poetry. When I finally explained to her that I had poetry throughout high school, and it was the English poets that I could not truly understand, but the American poets that really excited me inside. And I quoted Robert Frost, three of his poems to her, verbatim. And she finally said, I will accept it. But I got the C that she felt I deserved. When I turn around and look at the fact that this is minor by comparison to the prejudices held about others, it's incredible what, how demeaning and how self-defeating it can become. And I think when we talk about the word prejudice, it's something that we need to really consider because all of us, all of us have our prejudices. Even Jesus, who said he was there for the, the people of Israel, expressed a prejudice. And when, in fact, he encountered a woman who opened to him a sense of genuine faith, he accepts her because he is open to the fact of her change in place and the standing of her faith and commitment to her child. Interestingly enough, this passage, to me, really speaks deeply about the needs we have today of looking at ourselves honestly and forthrightly because there is too, so easy for us to go to, quote, words of denigration and nastiness and anger and frustration because things are falling apart and we feel very chaotic in this world. And it's when we lose our ability to see the depth of God's love for us when we lose to recognize that Jesus accepts us in spite of our worst. It's that moment when Jesus says, your faith has saved you and made you whole, that we need to open our hearts and minds to his knowledge and love and presence. Interestingly enough, in the Isaiah passage, St. John's refers to it as a house of prayer for all people. Strange that that also happens to be the biblical line from Isaiah. The passage of Isaiah actually is the backdrop for the story of the Canaanite woman because it says for the first time in the second, third, actually third Isaiah, that in fact there is God's will that will create, be present for all people. That it's not just Judaism. It's not just one faith. It is, in fact, the belief and the presence of people in God's love. 
as hard as this is today to want to, in fact, retreat and find some other way of dealing with things, the fires, the pandemic, our own being locked in place. But the most critical piece in all of this is to find the core of our faith that opens us to seeing in others the very true presence and gift of God and Jesus Christ. If we are to be true Christians, we will set no limits on anyone. We will set no parameters on what persons, what a person has to believe to be a part of our Christian faith. We will only be able to understand the growth of our Christian faith when in fact we see Jesus at our center, opening the door to anyone who commits themselves to the faith and love of God.